Chapter Fourteen of the Junior Classics, Volume Seven Stories of Courage and Heroism. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Junior Classics, Volume Seven stories of courage and heroism by william patton how catherine douglas tried to save king james of scotland by charlotte m young it was bedtime and the old vaulted chambers of the dominican monastery at perth echoed with sounds that would seem incongruous in such a home of austerity but that the disturbed state of scotland rendered it the habit of her kings to attach their palaces to convents that they themselves might benefit by the peace of the church which was in general accorded to all sacred spots thus it was that christmas and carnival time of fourteen thirty five to thirty six had been spent by the court in the cloisters of perth and the dance the song and the tourney had strangely contrasted with the grave and self-denying habits to which the dominicans were devoted in their neighboring cells the festive season was nearly at an end for it was the twentieth of february but the evening had been more than usually gay and had been spent in games at chess tables or backgammon reading romances of chivalry harping and singing king james himself brave and handsome and in the prime of life was the blithest of the whole joyous party he was the most accomplished man in his dominions for though he had been basely kept a prisoner at windsor throughout his boyhood by henry the fourth of england an education had been bestowed on him far above what he would have otherwise obtained and he was naturally a man of great ability refinement and strength of character not only was he a perfect knight on horseback but in wrestling and running throwing the hammer and putting the stain he had scarcely a rival and he was skilled in all the learned lore of the time wrote poetry composed music both sacred and profane and was a complete minstrel able to sing beautifully and to play on the harp and organ his queen the beautiful joan before had been the lady of his minstrelsy in the days of his captivity ever since he had watched her walking on the slopes of windsor park and wooed her in verses that are still preserved they had now been eleven years married and their court was one bright spot of civilization refinement and grace amid the savagery of scotland and now after the pleasant social evening the queen with her long fair hair unbound was sitting under the hands of her tirewomen who were preparing her for the night's rest and the king in his furred nightgown was standing before the bright fire on the hearth of the wide chimney laughing and talking with the attendant ladies yet dark hints had already been whispered which might have cast a shadow over that careless mirth always fierce and vindictive the scots had been growing more and more lawless and savage ever since the disputed secession of bruce and balliol had unsettled all royal authority and led to one perpetual war with the english the twenty years of james's captivity had been the worst of all almost every noble was a robber chief scottish borderer preyed upon english borderer 
highlander upon lowlander knight upon traveller every one who had armour upon him who had not each clan was at deadly feud with its neighbour blood was shed like water from end to end of the miserable land and the higher the birth of the offender the greater the impunity he claimed indeed james himself had been brought next to the throne by one of the most savage and horrible murders ever perpetrated that of his elder brother david by his own uncle and he himself had probably been only saved from sharing the like fate by being sent out of the kingdom his earnest words on his return to take the rule of this unhappy realm were these let god but grant me life and there shall not be a spot in my realm where the key shall not keep the castle and the bracken bush the cow though i should lead the life of a dog to accomplish it this great purpose had been before james through the eleven years of his reign and he had worked it out resolutely the lawless nobles would not brook his ruling hand and strong and bitter was the hatred that had arisen against him in many of his transactions he was far from blameless he was sometimes tempted to craft sometimes to tyranny but his object was always a high and kingly one though he was led by the horrible wickedness of the men he had to deal with more than once to forget that evil is not to be overcome with evil but with good in the main it was his high and uncompromising resolution to enforce the laws upon high and low alike that led to the nobles conspiracies against him though if he had always been true to his purpose of swerving neither to the right nor to the left he might have avoided the last fatal offence that armed the murderer against his life the chief misdoers in the long period of anarchy had been his uncles and cousins nor was it till after his eldest uncle's death that his return home had been possible with a strong hand had he avenged upon the princes and their followers the many miseries they had inflicted upon his people and in carrying out these measures he had seized upon the great earldom of strathern which had descended to one of their party in right of his wife declaring that it could not be inherited by a female in this he appears to have acted unjustly from the strong desire to avail himself by any pretext of an opportunity of breaking the overweening power of the great turbulent nobles and to make up for the loss he created the new earldom of monteith for the young malice graham the son of the disposed earl but the proud and vindictive grahams were not thus to be pacified sir robert graham the uncle of the young earl drew off into the highlands and there formed a conspiracy among other discontented men who hated the resolute government that repressed their violence men of princely blood joined in the plot and three hundred highland catherines were ready to accompany the expedition that promised the delights of war and plunder even when the hard-worked king was setting forth to enjoy his holiday at perth the traitors had fixed upon that spot as the place of his doom but the scheme was known to so many that it could not be kept entirely secret and warnings began to gather round the king when on his way to perth he was about to cross the firth of forth the wild figure of a highland woman appeared at his bridal rein and solemnly warned him that if he crossed that water he would never return alive he was struck by the apparition and bade one of his knights to inquire of her what she meant but the knight must have been a dullard or a traitor for he told the king that the woman was either mad or drunk and no notice was taken of her warning there was likewise a saying abroad in scotland 
that the new year fourteen thirty six should see the death of a king in the same carnival night james while playing at chess with a young friend whom he was wont to call the king of love laughingly observed that it must be you or i since there are but two kings in scotland therefore look well to yourself little did the blithe monarch guess that at that moment one of the conspirators touched by a moment's misgiving was hovering round seeking in vain for an opportunity of giving him warning that even then his chamberlain and kinsman sir robert stuart was enabling the traitors to place boards across the moat for their passage and to remove the bolts and bars of all the doors in their way and the highland woman was at the door earnestly entreating to see the king if but for one moment the message was even brought to him but alas he bade her wait till the morrow and she turned away declaring that she should never more see his face and now as before said the feast was over and the king stood gaily chatting with his wife and her ladies when the clang of arms was heard and the glare of torches in the court below flashed on the windows the ladies flew to secure the doors alas the bolts and the bars were gone too late the warnings returned upon the king's mind and he knew it was he alone who was sought he tried to escape by the windows but here the bars were but too firm then he seized the tongs and tore up a board in the floor by which he let himself down into the vault below just as the murderers came rushing along the passage slaying on their way a page named walter straighton there was no bar to the door yes there was catherine douglas worthy of her name worthy of the cognizance of the bleeding heart thrust her arm through the empty staples to gain for her sovereign a few moments more for escape and safety but though true as steel the brave arm was not as strong it was quickly broken she was thrust fainting aside and the ruffians rushed in queen joan stood in the midst of the room with her hair streaming round her and her mantle thrown hastily on some of the wretches even struck and wounded her but graham called them off and bade them search for the king they sought him in vain in every corner of the women's apartments and dispersed through the other rooms in search of their prey the ladies began to hope that the citizens and nobles in the town were coming to their help and that the king might have escaped through an opening that led from the vault into the tennis court presently however the king called to them to draw him up again for he had not been able to get out of the vault having a few days before caused the hole to be bricked up because his tennis balls used to fly into it and be lost in trying to draw him up by the sheets elizabeth douglas another of the ladies was actually pulled down into the vault the noise was heard by the assassins who were still watching outside and they returned there is no need to tell of the foul and cruel slaughter that ensued nor of the barbarous vengeance that visited it our tale is of golden not of brazen deeds and if we have turned our eyes for a moment to the bloody carnival of perth it is for the sake of the king who was too upright for his bloodthirsty subjects and above all for that of the noble-hearted lady whose frail arm was the guardian of her sovereign's life in the extremity of peril end of chapter fourteen how catherine douglas tried to save king james of scotland by charlotte m yong Recording by Greg Giordano, Newport Ritchie, Florida.